Hi there. Sorry for the long delay, but here is the next episode of Toxic Bliss. Before it starts, though, I wanted to let you know about a few things. First of all, Toxic Bliss merchandise. There's hoodies and tote bags, t-shirts, and more. And there's a holiday sale going on from now through Christmas. Get an extra 20% off any items from my Teespring store with the code HOLIDAY20. The link is in the description below. Also, consider subscribing to my YouTube channel where I have videos on mindfulness, visualization exercises, and my new Mindful and Fit series where you can follow along with me as I go on a journey of health, fitness, and weight loss. I'm having so much fun. I want to wish everyone a wonderful and safe holiday season and may Santa bring you everything you wish for. Talk to you soon. Love and light. back to Toxic Bliss, Surviving Narcissism with me, Awen Reese. In the last episode, Mike had come home once again, and very quickly things had descended into madness, despite all of his promises and claims that he had changed and learned and grown during our time apart. He had said so many things about his personal growth, all the right things, phrases like, being without you taught me to appreciate my life with you, and... Sometimes to understand the light, you need to have to spend time in the darkness. He played Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz better than Judy Garland. There's no place like home. And the famous line, If I ever go looking for my heart's desire again, I won't look any further than my own backyard. Now, I don't know where he amassed this collection of insightful platitudes, but he had rehearsed and practiced them and delivered them with complete conviction. Of course, none of it was true, but I didn't realize that then. I quickly learned, however. Within 24 hours of his return, I had decided that this was never, ever going to work, and I had to find a way out of this with as little drama as possible. I chose not to say anything to Mike at that point. I wanted to think slowly and plan this carefully for a few reasons. One, I wanted this time to stick. Once we separated, I didn't ever want another repeat of this mess. I wanted it done for good with no question or door left open for him to sneak back in. And two, because he had often said that if things didn't work out this time, he'd have no reason left to live. Now at the time, he said it in a way that implied that being with me was the be-all, end-all experience and there was nothing better out there for him. But it was also a thinly veiled threat and I had not forgotten his stint in the bathroom with the knife at that time. As much as I wanted him far, far away from me, I didn't want to have to deal with feeling guilt over a suicide either. This was a very effective form of manipulation. I resolved to take a few days to ponder all of this and then make my move, whatever that turned out to be. In the meantime, I had other things to worry about. I have a side note story here about my son... And this is important to the tale, so here we go. Mac's first year was perfect. He was developing normally, even ahead of the curve, on most of the milestones. 
He had a rather impressive vocabulary, and he loved to look you straight in the eye and tell his grand stories. He was very engaging and active and happy. We went to his one-year checkup, and he had more than a few shots that trip. By the time we got home, he was lethargic and feverish. I called the doctor straight away, and they told me it was just a reaction to the vaccines. Just give him some Tylenol every four hours, and he'd be right as rain the next day. So, that's what I did. Well, that and a coolish bath to try and get his temperature down a bit. I laid him down in his playpen, and he just stayed there all evening and overnight. He wasn't talking or crying or anything. He just laid there staring at the wall. My poor little guy, I thought. Sure that he'll be fine in the morning. But that wasn't the case. Although his fever was gone in the morning, he was still kind of checked out. I got him changed and dressed and put his favorite cartoons on to see if he'd react to them as he usually did, but he didn't. He just sat on the floor looking towards the TV, but he just wasn't there. I called the doctor again and they told me, just keep giving him some Tylenol, he'll be fine. Well, he wasn't fine. He didn't speak again for months, and even then it was though he was learning to speak for the first time again. Instead of using words, he'd point at something he wanted and grunt. Instead of saying, I love you, mommy, he'd just say, ma, ma, ma. He stopped telling his stories and interacting with everyone. He could just sit and stare at a wall of the TV or out the window for hours on end. I had to work very hard to keep him focused on anything, and it was devastating. I finally took him to a different pediatrician, who announced that Mac was clearly autistic, and why wasn't I enrolled in a program for him yet? I was shocked, and of course I said, No, he's fine. This is just a reaction to the shots. He's just having a hard time getting over it. He used to talk a lot and play a lot, and, and how can we help get him back? The doctor had to sit me down and explain that this was Mac now. There wasn't any getting him back. We had to start over and teach him all new things, and it was going to be an uphill battle. I had a very hard time accepting that. I didn't know what autism was, or why Mac suddenly developed it, or how to fix it. I didn't know what caused it, and honestly, I still don't. But I would do whatever needed to be done, and I would help my son come hell or high water. Now, before anyone comes for me, let me be very clear. I am not an anti-vaxxer nor will I say with any sort of confidence that the vaccinations caused his autism. We simply do not know what caused it, and I understand that correlation is not causation. But at the same time, I know hundreds of other parents with the exact same story, and branding us as hysterical, conspiracy, anti-vaxxer parents is a disservice to generations of children who are now in this exact same boat. But to have a perfectly normal child one day and then a near vegetable the next, with no explanation or resolution, is a horrific experience that no parent should have to go through. That being said, the first plan of action was to enroll Mac in a program called Birth to Three, in which a team of therapists would make weekly home visits to work with Mac, and an intensive program to teach him all manners of things, as well as to aid, support, and educate the parents on their child's needs. The morning of Mike's third day home was a session with Mac's birth to three teacher. As I was getting ready for her arrival, I noticed that Mike was getting his coat on, and I asked, where is he going? 
He said that he was starting work that morning. They gave him his old job back at the dollar store. Yay. But he was so sorry that he would miss the session. I'll have to fill him in when he got home with all that, but he was out the door. I didn't have much time to think about this in the moment because Mac's teacher arrived only seconds later. But we had a great session. We talked a little about the change in the family dynamics with Mike's return, and she gave me some tips to help Mike become involved with Mac's therapies. I was feeling really positive with a strong sense of purpose and focus. I had to fill out some paperwork about Mike as the program needed all the information on everyone in the household, but I didn't know his social security number offhand, so I called him at the dollar store to get it so I could get the papers in the mail that day. But as you can probably guess, and as I should have guessed, he wasn't working there. He didn't have a job there. They never offered him his job back. That was, of course, a lie. I sighed as I hung up the phone and realized that the old saying, the more things change, the more they stay the same, is actually quite true. Time for a quick break here and a word from our sponsor. When we come back, we get to confront Mike. Will this finally be the last time? Find out when we come back. Welcome back. So, Mike had lied again. Surprise! I tried to figure out why he would have lied about that. He'd only been back for a few days, so it wasn't likely that he had another girlfriend yet, though it was possible. But it didn't seem like that was the case. Why pretend to go to work? Was he just trying to make me think that he was being this new, productive, responsible person? Was he out hunting for a job and hoping that he could find one before I realized this lie? That was a possibility. This was something that Mike did a lot. He'd tell some story and then try to make it real as fast as he could before the lie was uncovered, and then he'd weave another story about why the reality was slightly different than the original version. He was pretty good at it, but after a while, it becomes obvious. I figured this was just another of those situations, but I was thoroughly disgusted with him. That was it. He had to go. That day. I wasn't going to wait around looking for the opportune moment to break things off again. This was it. I couldn't handle the lies anymore, the manipulation, the doubt, and the worry. Not only for my own sake, but also for the kids as well. What if there had been a medical emergency and I needed him, but couldn't find him because he lied about where he'd be? What if we needed medicine or something and he lied about depositing money in the bank and there was none? You cannot raise children with someone that you can't trust, for practical reasons as well as emotional and psychological reasons. In a few short days, he had managed to drive that point home, and it was time for him to go. I had no idea where Mike was, and frankly the only reason that I cared was because I wished I had known how much time I had before he came back. I got on the phone and called around trying to locate a men's homeless shelter or a YMCA. If they still had rooms there or not, I didn't even know, but I was going to find out. After an hour or so, I had come up with a list of places he could possibly stay. I had packed up all of his clothes in the closet and put them into his giant sea bags from his Navy days. But I had left those in the closet as well, so it wouldn't be immediately apparent when he walked in. I wanted time to talk to him before showing him the door one more time. Maggie came home from school, and I got started on dinner. I still hadn't heard from Mike and wondered if maybe he just 
left. I doubted that, though, as he wouldn't just leave all of his belongings and take off. Every time he'd ever left before, he had taken his things with him. He finally came through the door about 6 p.m. that night. Well, hi there. Where have you been? I asked as brightly as I could. Working. Duh, I told you that, he said caustically. Oh, well, I tried to call you at work, and they said you didn't work there, so I figured you might want to come clean, and I was just giving you the opportunity. But I see that's not going to happen, so let's talk. Realizing he walked into that trap unwittingly, he sighed and sat at the table. Why do you lie to me? I asked him. He explained that he just couldn't handle having a special needs child, and it freaked him out, so he didn't want to be around for the sessions with the birth to three teacher. I stayed quiet and let him ramble on for a while before sliding him the list of shelters I had written for him. What's this? he asked, because clearly reading the words on the paper was too challenging for him in that moment. It's a list of shelters for you to stay at. It's cold outside, and I don't want you sleeping on the streets, but you can't stay here. It's time to go. For good this time. He sighed heavily and said, All I ever do is hurt you. And I laughed and said, Well, it took you long enough to realize that. Listen, I don't wish you any harm, but I just want you to go away and not come back. I thought about letting you stay here until you could get your own place, but I just can't deal with you. I have kids to raise and my own issues to deal with. You're on your own. I'm sorry. It's okay, he said. I actually have a place to go. I set it up today. They're outside, waiting for me to get my stuff. Now, that shocked me. I did not see that coming at all. I had a rush of strange emotions as I digested what he was saying. I had felt strong and empowered when I was the one making the decision for him to leave, but it felt very strange knowing that he had already made that decision himself, and it angered me. Although the end result was the same, knowing that it was my choice was okay. Thinking that he had planned on walking in here and telling me he was leaving with some mystery person outside waiting for him just felt gross. He really had a way of ruining everything. Well, you better go then, I said as I stood up. You're in luck. I already packed all your stuff for you, so bye. I glared at him, completely enraged now, and watched him as he grabbed his bags, handed me the key, and left. He didn't even say bye to the kids, which was fine with me. I didn't want him to see Maggie cling to him or ask him not to go. I would talk to her later and explain things, again. I followed him down the hallway because I wanted to see if there really was some mystery person outside and who it was. Then there was indeed a truck out in the parking lot with his lights on. I couldn't see who was inside, but Mike walked up to the truck, threw his bags in the back, and climbed into the cab. The truck left, and he was gone. I went back inside, closed and locked the door, and sank to my knees and cried and cried and cried. The next morning, I woke up and everything felt different, renewed and cleansed. The tears had stopped, and I had actually slept pretty well, all things considered, and I felt optimistic or hopeful, something like that. I got Maggie off to school, cleaned the whole apartment to rid my home of any Mike energy, or, well, cooties, really, moved some things around to make it look just a little different, 
and I took Mac out for a walk. The day was sunny and bright, echoing what I was feeling inside. We stopped at the green in the center of town, and I sat on a bench while Mac ran around the grass. I needed some time to ponder my state of mind. I felt different in a way that I couldn't immediately put to words. I knew without even a shadow of a doubt that Mike was gone for good. He could show up at my door with his best-ever apology performance, and nothing would sway me to take him back. I thought back over the last week and shook my head, wondering what on earth I had been thinking. I felt like I had just woken up from a very long, very bad dream, and I was so thankful that it had ended, and the world seemed such a better place. This was a very different reaction from all of the other times that Mike and I had broken up. I had tried so many times just to put on a happy face and act brave and strong, but underneath I was always completely devastated and wishing he'd come back. But that was noticeably absent this time. I was really happy, like genuinely happy. I wasn't acting. I felt strong and brave. I wasn't pretending. I was hopeful for a much brighter future than the one I had been staring at only a week ago. I picked Mac up and swung him around, laughing and happy. This was it. I was finally free. We headed back home when I had a spring in my step. There were so many things that I wanted to do that I had put on hold since Mike's return. I could continue my studies in peace. I could play some of my favorite video games and not have to let anyone else win just to spare their ego. I could work on my cross-stitch projects again, and I could do all of these things without anyone making me feel bad about them. I was giddy with excitement. There were 10,000 reasons for me to be happy that he was gone and not a single reason to be sad. And for the first time ever, I really got that, and I honestly felt it. That little voice inside that used to say things like, but you know you're going to miss him, you know you're just waiting for him to call again, that voice was silent. Well, not just silent, but completely poofed out of existence. I felt like a different person, someone that I hadn't been for many years and I was thrilled. At no point did I wonder how long this feeling would last, or if I was deluding myself, because I wasn't, and it was really good. In the next episode, we'll find that even though I was completely over this Mike thing, he clearly was not. Find out how I navigate his attempts at a return, and manage to stand up to his manipulations. Until then... Thanks for listening and take care. People ask me what my secret is, I just smile.